Warning, the following podcast is not suitable for all audiences. Trigger warnings from the stories they cover may include violence, rape, murder, and offenses against children. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everyone and welcome back to Crime Bay. I know that I have been MIA for a very long time and I apologize. I have just been so busy with work and you know, running your own business is not as easy as it looks. I haven't been on here since March, I believe. Um, we are now in October, my favorite month of the year, spooky season. <laughs> No, but on a serious note, I have been working on a few cases. I just hadn't had time to record, but I am excited to be here and I can't wait to share all the cases that I've been working on for you guys. With that said, let's get started. So today's story will take us to Long Island, New York. Cheryl Pearson was a 16-year-old junior in high school from Long Island, New York. Cheryl was a popular cheerleader with lots of friends and a loving boyfriend named Robert. From the outside looking in, everything looked normal for this teenager. Some would say she lived the perfect life. People that didn't know her had no idea the pain that she had endured the year prior. You see, on February 13, 1985, when Cheryl was only 15 years old, she lost her mother to a rare case of terminal kidney disease. Cheryl had always lived with her parents and siblings, but now that her mother was gone, all that was left was her father James, her older brother James Jr., and her younger sister Joanne. James Jr. had just graduated high school and moved away. On Wednesday, February 5th, 1986, Cheryl's father James, a 42-year-old electrician, began to get ready for work. But before leaving, he went to Cheryl's room to make sure that she was awake because the day prior, she had been late to school. Meanwhile, his eight-year-old daughter, Joanne, was still asleep. James proceeded to leave the home through the kitchen door as he normally did. And moments later, Cheryl came down the stairs. She walked into the kitchen to let the dog go outside. She then looked out the kitchen window and saw her father laying on the ground. Cheryl ran out frantically, yelling for help. She realized that her father was laying in a pool of blood. He was wounded. None of the neighbors had heard any shots, but they did hear Cheryl screaming. Cheryl ran to the neighbors for help, and those neighbors called 911. The police arrived and discovered the 42-year-old man dead on the ground. They rolled James Pearson over and it was obvious he had been shot in the head and several times in his torso. In a little over a year, Cheryl had lost both her parents. Her life was a nightmare, and the 16-year-old, who had once dreamed of becoming a beautician, was now an orphan. The police questioned Cheryl, asking if her dad had any enemies or any bad encounters in the recent days leading up to his murder. The police also questioned Cheryl's boyfriend, Rob, who was the son of a cop and had dated Cheryl since freshman year. The police continued their investigation, digging deeper into James' life. They learned he was well-liked by the community, but he was rough around the edges, meaning he wouldn't take shit from no one. 
James' oldest son, James Jr., had moved away a few months prior, but it was rumored that they had a really tense relationship. And when James was questioned, he began to point fingers at Cheryl, his sister. Police brought Cheryl back in for questioning, but it was a completely different tone. Last time, they had sympathy for her. They felt for her. This time, it was accusations. Investigators were pointing the finger at Rob, Cheryl's boyfriend, asking her if he was the trigger man. Meanwhile, classmates of the two lovebirds were rumoring that Cheryl had been asking or talking about a hitman. Rob denied all accusations, stating he did not kill Cheryl's father. But in that interview, Rob did admit to something, something that would turn this whole case on its head. Rob told police he did not kill Cheryl's father, but he did pay someone to do it for him. Police learned that Cheryl sat next to a boy named Sean Pika in homeroom. And it was in that class where Sean and Cheryl were talking about a recent hitman murder. Cheryl confided in Sean that she wanted to hire a hitman to kill her father. She asked him if he knew anyone crazy enough to do it. Sean said, I would. During Rob's interview, he told the police that he paid Sean $400 to kill Cheryl's father. 42-year-old father of three, James Pearson, lost his wife and was murdered a year later. He was shot five times, and the shot that actually killed him was the one to his head. Cheryl never really told Sean why she wanted her father dead, but she did confide in her boyfriend, Rob. What drives a daughter to that extent? Why did Cheryl want her father dead? According to Cheryl, one day she got home from school and found her eight-year-old sister wrestling on the floor with her father. To many, that wouldn't mean anything bad. It's just a father playing with their child. But when Cheryl saw that, she wanted to vomit. She didn't want her little sister to be put through the trauma that she had been living through in silence. Cheryl revealed that her father had been sexually abusing her since her mother had found out that she was sick. He had been molesting her for over five years. Cheryl was afraid of her father. And since Cheryl started dating Rob, her father would tell her that he was going to do the same to her little sister. During Cheryl's trial, it was revealed by numerous people including neighbors and Cheryl's older brother, Jimmy, stories of abuse, things in hindsight that were clearly abuse. Cheryl's boyfriend, Rob, pled guilty to criminal solicitation and was given probation. Cheryl pled guilty to manslaughter and was sentenced to six months. She was later released after only serving three and a half months due to good behavior. Sean pled guilty to manslaughter, and was sentenced to 24 years in prison. He was released in December 2002. Since then, Cheryl and Rob got married and have two children. And in 2016, Cheryl published a book called Incest, Murder, and a Miracle, where she says her goal in life is to help victims and promote awareness and prevention of abuse. If you or someone you know is being sexually abused, please call 1-800-656-HOPE 
That is 1-800-656-H-O-P-E. There is also a sexual abuse crisis text line at www.crisistextline.org. I just want to make you aware that you're not alone, you guys. If anything like this is happening to you or someone you know, there is always help. There's helplines, child advocacy centers, resources for healing, there's support groups, and so much more. So speak up, you know, seek that help. No one deserves to be going through none of that. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode of Crime Bay. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Crime Bay Official, where I will be uploading pictures of every story we cover. Crime Bay is a podcast executive produced, researched, and hosted by Lisette Cervantes. Sounds designed by Ruben Solorio. You can find all source material for this episode underneath the episode description.